1: Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.organicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's topic is learning how to make your own pet food. Most conscious consumers know better than to buy processed foods for themselves, much less for their pets especially with the pet food industry being a $53 billion unregulated industry. More and more pet parents are opting to make their own pet food because of the issues with pet food recalls and incorporation of euthanized animals in the pet foods that are available on the market. However, making your own pet food is not as easy as one may think. There are certain foods that you cannot feed your pets and making your own pet food doesn't always guarantee that your finicky feline or a canine will actually eat it. In addition, the meals must be nutritionally balanced, which is often a huge problem for many pet owners, especially if they are not given proper guidance by someone who has been trained in pet nutrition. Susan Thixton, founder of Truth About Pet Food, is a world-renowned authority on pet food, and she decided to create an actual cookbook in conjunction with Dr. Kathy Elanovi, who's a doctor of veterinary medicine. Their best-selling book, Dinner Possible, which was recently released, has been eagerly anticipated by so many pet parents around the globe. Susan has been on the show several times to talk about some very, very important issues in regards to pet food, and let me tell you, folks, our audience has been really waiting a very long time for this book finally to, to arrive. So I'd like to welcome both ladies to the show. And today we're going to be talking about not only how you can make your own pet food that is completely balanced and nutritious, but also some great tips and ideas, especially if you do have a finicky dog or cat. So I would like to welcome to the show Susan Thixton and Dr. Kathy Alanovi. Good afternoon, ladies. Hi, Hi, thank you. you.
2: Thanks for having us on.
1: Just so that our audience is familiar with each of you, I would ask that when you respond to any of the questions, if you could just say your name so people can be able to identify who is giving the expert information. Susan, many people love you, but for new people that are just tuning in today, can you tell our audience about yourself and why you founded Truth About Pet Food?
2: Well, I'm, I'm dubbed the Kate crusader of safe pet food um, because my website, truthaboutpetfood.com, works to educate pet owners. To, the regulations are very difficult. You walk into a pet shop, there's thousands of products. $7 bag of pet food looks exactly the same as the $50, and pet owners are at a loss to determine what the differences are. So that's what the website does oftentimes i do get uh recall notices from the manufacturer which means that i'll get the information out there to the public before the fda even gets it out there so um sounds while like the pet right there. might <laughs> like the website there's lots of manufacturers that that maybe don't <laughs> but that's okay
1: I had, I had a joke around because when you're working with cats and dogs you know that you're talking to somebody who's really <laughs> devoted, especially if they're surrounded by their four legged friends. And um, Doctor Kathy to know
2: when you're on on doing a radio interview as well, too. <laughs> they they seem to instinctively know that. And let's get on the air too. So yeah. And, well,
3: <laughs> okay,
1: Dr. Kathy. To... <laughs> yeah, Doctor Kathy with uh she she has a very, very busy practice. And you can, Dr. Cathy, can you talk about your practice
3: and uh, how you came to work with Susan? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I graduated vet school 10 years ago and like most of us, we thought we were going to save the world and I'd get out in the world and there was a whole lot I couldn't save and it was very frustrating. So I went through this circuitous path and ended up discovering actually on my own lady dog who had had food allergies for years, that it was the prescription food that I was feeding her for her allergies, that was actually making her allergies, and um, took a deep breath and started feeding people food, not really having good information about it yet. And in three days, my lady dog stopped itching and stopped shedding. And then shortly after that, I had a client with um, several cats who got sick, and the way that we traced everything back, we knew it was from the food, Um, and so because I didn't know what to do, um, a mutual friend of Susan and mine connected us with each other, and since then, Susan and I just started talking about food and both learning so much, and it has done so much for my practice. Um, so now people come in and they know they're going to get the food talk. So <laughs> the first thing I do. What do you eat? What do you feed? What are you giving mm-hmm. your dog? Um, what are you giving your cat? And they tell me and they come in expecting that they're going to have the conversation and it has really revolutionized my practice.
2: June, something really significant, I think, uh, statistics for Dr. Kathy is 80% of what comes in her clinic she can fix through nutrition. Yep. That's just amazing.
3: Yes, and I tell people all the time, and this is Kathy. <laughs> um, I tell people all the time, spend the money on the food, then you don't have to spend it on me. Now, I have to
1: make a comment about just making your own pet food, and I've been mortified... At Some of the things that I've seen out there in the public, I taught culinary arts for 12 years and mostly, um, well, mostly culinary classes but some uh, horticultural classes. And actually when the pet food recalls took place with all the food being recalled, especially the stuff that was manufactured in China, I decided to share the recipes that I would make for, um, I had a dog named Samantha who was a Roddy Pitt. And I shared some of my recipes as well as some others that were given to me by uh, friends that um, worked as either uh, uh, veterinarians uh, or just people who uh, provided um, just different services for animals. And uh, I also uh, had a lot of great um, advisement from Dr. Harvey who uh, has uh, drharveys.com, and um, he's always a great resource for anybody. Uh, but um, it was interesting that I saw people later on that saw it as an opportunity to just make money, and lo and behold, I saw one lady that was teaching a bunch of teenagers how to make uh, dog food with a raisin bran, simply oh, instructing my instructing the students to simply pick out the raisins, and I was aghast. I could not believe it. I mean, teenagers, uh, you got to love them, but when it comes to the health of your dog, do you really want to take a chance that they're going to be as careful with your dog as you would be to pick out each and every raisin, and not to mention the fact that the contamination factor, I mean, I, I felt like I felt like screaming my head off. I could not believe that that's what I was saying. And this gal uh, was making money hand over fist, not really doing it because she loves animals, but basically because it was just a cash cow opportunity for her. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so... Sounds
2: like commercial pet food. Oh, well,
1: exactly. And <laughs> my out that so,
2: voice. There it goes again.
1: So, folks, uh, when you're out and about, if you see any classes... Find out about the people that are teaching the program and find out what their background is because you really have to have a very vast knowledge in nutrition, especially pet nutrition, if you're going to teach classes. And unfortunately, because it's unregulated, it's not like there's any type of certification or so on and so forth. But the thing is, is that when you are speaking to someone who has the knowledge, such as Susan Thixton and uh, Dr. Kathy, they both have the right type of knowledge that is needed in order to teach these types of classes. And, in essence, that's why their book uh, is so incredibly important, because it is such a key resource for anyone who's out there who is fed up of, uh, you know, trying to find a solution when it comes to their pet's health, and the bottom line is, is that if you want to really do what you can to control the health of your cat or your dog, you need to take matters into your own hands and make the food yourself. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, the fact of the matter is if you were to lose your dog or your cat, you would be devastated. I mean, a dog or a cat is not just an animal. It's a family member. It's a part of your life. And people out there understand that. I mean, I know more people that love their pets than love their own family. It's just amazing. And so you have to think about that. And actually on Facebook there was a gal who asked me a question, and she said, well, you know, is it more economical to make your own food? So, um, you know, Dr. Kathy, I'd like you to answer
3: that question. That's an awesome question. And Susan and I, when we were preparing the recipes, we thought at the very end, ooh, we better figure that out. And sure enough, it costs less to use grocery store human-grade balanced food than it does to go to the grocery store and buy average pet food, be it canned or dry, and definitely less expensive than the higher Quality foods. We we were tickled to death. We thought that was just the greatest thing ever.
2: June weekend. We this is Susan. We did uh, price comparison for low end uh, commercial food and medium range. Not even the the high high end uh, commercial food uh, for our recipe of the chicken noodle roni dog food. It costs the ingredients cost about. A dollar forty-one for one day, okay, which is two meals. For a commercial canned food, it can run low end five dollars a day for the same meal, same size dog, up to ten dollars a day. And ours was a dollar forty-one.
1: Wow, that so is
2: that's significantly cheaper. Now, there are good, you know, on the commercial end of it, there are good commercial foods out there. The problem is finding them, you know, and at least with our recipes, and and I believe in them a lot more than least, but at least with our recipes, when you make them, you know every single time you make them, the quality of those ingredients and exactly what's in there because you've got all the, the, the food. The same type of food you feed anybody else in your family.
1: It's yeah. I mean, when you look at the foods that are on the market, people think that oh, you know, something if it's on sale or or I love when people shop in the clearance section of the supermarket <laughs> where the cans are dented oh. or the cans are ripped. Or not, I mean, not ripped. Uh, the the bags are ripped rather. And the thing is, is that you don't buy dented cans for yourself because there is tremendous risk there uh, as far as bacteria. Um, and I'm actually licensed by uh, the Department of Health in New York City for food safety and food handling. So, yeah, I am an authority on it. Uh, it's, it's not advised that you buy these for yourself, so why would you buy them for, for your cat or your dog? And when you're buying a bag that has been ripped, and it's either just um, ca- uh, carelessly uh, taped together or whatever they do to it, sometimes they'll staple it together. You don't know what food has been exposed and what it has been exposed yeah. uh, as far as it might have been exposed to, say, uh, detergent or any of the chemicals that that's are on the, the floor, size. maybe maybe the food spilled out on the floor and they just shoved it back in the bag and you're buying it, thinking that you got the bargain in the day.
2: Yeah. And the bottom line the is, is
1: that if your dog or cat eats that, you don't know whats what they're feeling because it's not as though they can speak to you and say, hey, you know, uh, the stuff tastes like uh, Tide detergent. Uh, they don't have that capacity. Oh. But just because they don't speak the same language that you do doesn't mean that you don't have to be concerned. So, you know, stop being cheap and think about what it is that you are putting in your pet's stomach. Because the bottom line is, if you're not concerned, you will pay one way or the other. And the usual way is a trip to the vet. Now, uh, in most places, uh, I'm not too sure what the vet bills are just to walk through the door. But over by me, it's $350 as soon as you walk through the door. I remember taking a cat that was dumped at my doorstep. It had an abscess the size of a tangerine, and um, I brought it to the vet to get to get the care that it needed, and lo and behold, just the walk through the door, I could not get over it. And lo and behold, by the time my visit was done, $1,500 bill, and, you know, in essence, I had adopted a new cat. And uh, so... You know, be careful, because whatever you do buy, if you're not careful, if you're just looking for a bargain, uh, then, you know, for Pete's sake, take the time to make one of the simple recipes that are in their book. It's not very expensive. And, you know, the the old story that, oh, I don't like to cook, I can barely boil water, that's a bunch of nonsense. The recipes are so easy to make, um, and especially with all the help that you have uh, with just learning the basics, uh, Susan and Dr. Kathy uh, actually have a few videos out, if I'm not mistaken.
2: That's one's Rick. a funny video, and one's uh just shows putting together two of the recipes. But, um, yeah, it, this isn't rocket science. Now, I do know people that can't boil water, <laughs> but... <laughs> We break it all down. We have provided all the the breakdown of how to do this. It is so different uh, because people, even though we cook for our family and we even cook for children, it is such a unique thing. Wow, I can cook for my pet. And people do have questions, and hopefully we answered them all in the book.
1: I actually uh, received a comment from Help the Bees on uh, Twitter who wrote, um, I would like to own a dog again, and when I get one, I will make its own food, even biscuits rather than feed it prepared stuff. So thank you very much for the comment. Uh, yeah, most people feel the same way. Uh, people are becoming more and more aware of the fact that if you have an industry that's unregulated, how can you possibly – purchase something consciously and not question, okay, well, what is it that I just paid for? It it behooves me how people can spend money. You see people at the grocery store at checkout that will basically have conniptions if the cashier by accident overcharges them so much as $0.05 for an item that uh, is supposed to be on sale, but yet when it comes to their pet food, they want everything as cheap as possible, and it is just mind-blowing. And it People what... don't
2: understand. They, uh, the, I mean, I have many followers, which I'm very grateful for, on Truth About Pet Food, but that's just a small, tiny portion of the pet owners out there. I think it has a lot to do with the advertisement. If a pet is in it, um. It, then it's believable. It's like something with a small child in it, too. So I don't know. It's it's just something that for years people don't question. And then they have a life-altering
3: experience
2: where a pet food has killed their pet. It happened to me 19 years ago, and it is life-altering. Um, then you go, what? And you learn more. About this industry and the lack of regulations, and you know, search out what you can
1: do to keep your pets safe. And it's interesting, you have people that are out there that especially want a purebred dog, or for that matter, uh, you know, the uh, same thing with cats, and they have such. Pride in the fact that they spend X number of dollars on a particular breed, and what do they feed them? They go through the drive-through, feed them some <laughs> feed them McNuggets from McDonald's or some other type of atrocious, non-organic, non-food, uh, and that's a whole other story. Um, or actually, you could just check out the podcast archives. Uh, I'm sure that there's some rants on there about that. But uh, the bottom line is is that people spend so much money buying these animals only to feed them garbage. Why would you do that? Why would you bother? I mean, it just well, not
3: Kathy. See, people don't, they don't know. Yeah. And, and you yeah. know, they, they just, they don't realize. Um, and I, in most cases, I don't think it's anybody doing it out of, maliciousness at all it's simply oh my goodness i had no idea i never thought of that yeah they they
2: don't it's it's sad of of how little is known the the quality-minded manufacturers out there you don't see them on tv because they're spending money on quality ingredients they they don't they can't afford to advertise and the the safety (coughs) advocates like myself, uh, we don't have money to get out there and let people know as well, too. We do it by word of mouth. And and once people learn, though, and they see the differences in their pet's coat and how healthy they are and they don't have vet visits, uh, word of mouth is, is making a huge difference. The education level of pet owners out there today is amazing, People are getting there. But the ones that that aren't doing it, they just don't know. They have no idea. It isn't malicious. They just don't know. And and with a comparison to fast food in humans mm. We all have done that, okay? I'm guilty my pets actually eat better than I do. And I'm guilty of going through the McDonalds drive through. But I don't do it every single day. And that's the difference with pet food. Some pet foods are a a direct uh, relation to fast food with humans, okay? And imagine if you did that every single day. That uh, Super Size Me documentary of several years ago, the guy ate nothing but McDonald's for 30 days, and he gained like 30 pounds, and his cholesterol level skyrocketed, uh, it, it even damaged his uh, sex life. Okay, it, it does a lot of damage to do that. It took him two years to get back uh, his body weight prior to this filming this documentary. Now imagine a pet that does this day in day out every
1: meal. So yeah, it's the- it's a lot, and the thing is, is that once again, the animals cannot speak up. That's right. the big problem here. You have- well, they
2: do in a way because they try to steal people food off the counter. So they are speaking up. I had a, a journalist one time interview me. This is Susan. And uh, she didn't have a pet at the time, did years ago, really didn't know much about the, the pet food industry. And about three-fourths into our conversation she went, it's no wonder that they steal try to steal food off the counter or off the table because they're wanting real food and and that was a very profound statement.
1: well, there are also people that seem to think that it's okay also to feed them just any old thing that they're eating because you know if they're eating. Something then it's okay, it's like people that will give their dog beer or yeah. uh, you know if you give your dog some type of a treat that uh, you happen to enjoy, there are many people out there that don't know that chocolate is toxic to dogs. You can't give chocolate to dogs. Um, you know that's just one example, uh, as I mentioned before, raisins raisins are another food item that kids love to eat. Adults love to eat, but they're toxic to dogs. Um, Dr. Kathy, do you have um, a list that you could share with our audience as far as certain foods that people specifically need to keep their pets away from?
3: Well, you hit two already. Um, What I tell people when they come in, I say no chocolate, no grapes, no raisins, um, no raw onions. Um, And so then I tell them that if you're going to have a whole plate of onion rings, we won't be sharing that with the dog or the cat. Um, And then I tell them if it's healthy for us, it's healthy for their dog or their cat. Um, You know, having I, I learned the same thing that you're talking about is that, um, yeah, you know, I tell people, okay, well, people food is better, and then they'd go home and have noodles and crackers and wonder why with the hot dogs their dog got sick. It's like, oh, gosh, okay. Let's talk about healthy people food. And, and so it's a big education for not just pet food but also human food. Yeah, it,
1: it's just unbelievable that people just are so mindless when it comes to Uh, thinking that they can feed their dog or cat anything just because they can eat it so everybody else should be able to eat it. And the ignorance is just amazing. But it's all the more reason why the work that the two of you are doing is so incredibly important because I think if more uh, pet parents understood what they can and cannot do, because let's face it, the marketers are so cleverly, encouraging people to buy their products. They are not educating them about nutrition. They are not educating them about anything because, once again, pet food is an unregulated industry, and basically it's it's an industry in which any old garbage can be sold to the consumer, and it's perfectly legal. Uh, ladies, we actually have someone that is uh, – on the switchboard. Hello, caller from area code 305, do you have a question? Hello, caller, area code 305, are you there? Nope. I think, I think we lost our <laughs> caller. Okay, well, sorry about that. I guess uh, they were hanging on for a little uh, too long, but uh, uh, in any event, um June, uh,
2: The advertising you were talking about, uh, influencing people. There are new pet food commercials out there. I don't think they've hit the United States yet, but they've hit all through Europe, that uh, they're doing subliminal noises that only dogs can hear in these commercials. So imagine what a consumer, a consumer that doesn't know all the details of what goes on in pet food and this commercial pet food dog food commercial comes on and the dog hears these noises walks over to the tv and is like sniffing almost the tv because the the noises we can't hear but the dog can has gotten their attention guess what that pet owner's going to do they're going to go wow look this dog wants this food i have to go buy this food that's, that's, that's a new trick yes. in in pet food marketing now.
1: Okay. Uh, on that note, Susan, we have, uh, let's see, same caller just called back. Hi, caller from Area Code 305, do you have a question for Susan or for Dr. Kathy? Okay, I don't think that they're able to get through. All right, we're going to take uh, the next call. Um, This is coming from Area Code, uh, let's see, Area Code 250. Caller from Area Code 250, do you have a question for Susan Thixton or Dr. Kathy? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. You can.
0: Okay. I really wanted to thank uh, Susan in particular. I'm actually starting a small, very small dog biscuit company. And over the months of doing research, Susan and, and her work and her site and, and reading the blogs and everything has really been an incredible inspiration. And so the, the cookbook is, uh, is very interesting to me. I, I have to order it. But um, I do have a couple of questions because there's a few ingredients that didn't show up um, in Truth About Pet Food. Um, I really um, appreciated Susan's research on canola oil, for example, uh it was it was really enlightening. I've stopped using it for myself now as well. But there's a few other oils that I didn't see that I, I just couldn't get some expert opinions about, even talking to my own vet and nutritionist. And one of them was olive oil.
2: And and what Dr. Kathy might be better suited to answer it. She's trained in veterinary food therapy. So tell us what what it is you know, do you What what you want to know of olive oil?
0: Well, is it is it a a, an ingredient that's flagged? Is it okay to use? Yeah, this is
3: Dr. Kathy. Yes, it's a very healthy um, source of fat, or you know, yeah, the source of fat, omega fatty acids. Um, But just like in human grade food, when you pick out a quality olive oil, you want to cold press first-press olive oil, uh, not, you know, a later heat-pressed olive oil. So, yes, it's just as healthy for animals as it is for us.
0: And that makes sense. Another thing about about oils, because you you need a little bit in a biscuit recipe, Um, and that is I've I've tried to read about salmon oil and flaxseed oil, but for what I have sort of an alert going off because they're not really supposed to be heated. And yet I see them in other people's dog food and dog biscuits sometimes.
3: Okay, so flaxseed oil is a fabulous source of nutrition. Once, pretty much, once the flaxseed is ground, the oil immediately becomes volatile. um, Right. So that it needs to be used right away. So, if you grind your flaxseed, immediately put it into your biscuit recipe. You're putting in much more wholesome ingredients in there than if you're putting in flaxseed that was ground last week. Yes, some nutrition level will be lost at every step along the way of the processing. It's the same in the human food. Um, you're, you're certainly still reaping the benefits from it, but, it, yeah, flaxseed is definitely a volatile one.
0: And but that the oil is... So that's,
3: Go ahead. Sorry, the oil itself,
0: I've read that the that, uh, that oils that have, I think, it's it, is it lino, linoleic acid that's in salmon oil and flaxseed oils, and that it shouldn't be heated?
3: Correct, because then you will lose some of the good properties and it will change the structure of the oils. And so those are nice to add at the end of cooking. If you're going to cook.
0: So that's probably what the other manufacturers are doing when they use it.
3: Well, yes. When it's well manufactured, yes. Um, However, you know, you see it on all these foods, and that's because everybody knows that this is a good food. But you have to ask yourself that question. Are they really doing it that way?
0: I've heard that it can be actually harmful. If the chemical changes,
3: if the oil is rancid, which is what happens when it's exposed mm. to heat or to oxygen for too long, then it causes oxidative damage in the cells. Yes, and so it can be harmful to the tissues of the body.
0: Well, thank you so much. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I'm really enjoying the program. How oh, you bet? You Those both. are great
3: questions.
1: And please uh, let us know how you make out with uh, your pet products because, um, you know, it's, it's always great to see uh, someone just take something and see it through, uh, especially something that's high quality that is um, going to help so many people that are looking for the high quality products that uh, just are not that easily ava- or readily available. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, there's so many products on the shelf, but uh, I've spoken to Susan many times before when you ask her, well, what would you recommend? She kind of gets really quiet. (laughs) So, uh, you know, but uh, thank you so much for the call. Thank you for the support. Now, I have a question for you, Dr. Kathy. This is about Austrian pumpkin oil. From what I understand, uh, the pumpkin oil actually has it, – it, it's something that dogs especially love, but do you know anything about the nutritional benefits? It's, it's a little on the very, very pricey side, uh, so that's why it's not more commonly used. But from what I understand, it's something that uh, is, does have uh, nutritional value for dogs.
3: You know, that is a great question and I honestly have no familiarity with pumpkin oil at all, so I have to plead the fifth.
1: It's it's I wanna be just specific. It's the pumpkin oil that actually comes from Austria's Steiermark. Uh and uh I know an importer Uh, from Austria's finest naturally and um, I remember uh, just a conversation that we had uh, really phenomenal stuff but uh, there was a pet food company that approached them as far as buying the oil and once they saw the price they were just like oh forget it but um, it's just interesting there are I mean folks I'm not saying all companies are bad all companies are not bad but you do have to be careful Uh, and the proof is in the pudding so to speak when you're you're making your own pet food, you know what your dog is eating. And uh, the bottom line is, is that if you're controlling what he or she eats, then at least you have a better chance of your dog having a healthier life instead of constantly running to the vet. And as much as I'd love to uh, live locally to Dr. Kathy and see her all the time, uh, I know it's a big hassle to take any animal to the vet especially they know where they're going and uh, just the car ride alone for some people is often really difficult especially since they'll whine, they will carry on uh, not every dog or cat is well behaved in the car and for some people it's it's really you know, uh, quite a task uh, now Dr. Kathy let me ask you a question if In regards to the canola oil issue, one of the issues that I have is the fact that um, most canola is genetically modified. Uh, Now, when it comes to genetically modified anything, I won't consume them and I would never give them to any of my animals. Uh, So um, is there any type of initiative that are going on to um, educate people about, you know, just paying attention to any of the foods that they're buying if they are going to make their own pet food and to use the certified organic uh, GMO-free ingredients in whatever it is that they're going to prepare for their dog or cat.
3: The same initiatives that suggest to people what they need to look for in their food are the exact same ones that will apply for the pet food? Unfortunately, in the pet food industry is a little bit behind human food for the, the healthy part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, the
3: eat organic, eat healthy side for humans is a much better, bigger movement than it is in dogs and cats. And so when people are looking for information for their pets, they really need to look for the information from their dogs and cats. Um, searching through the human literature, but always keeping in mind the caveats of a few things that we need to avoid for dogs and cats for their health. I think I just started a riot by asking a question. (laughs) I
1: think you did. That's three three doors, too. (laughs) I I think they're ready to go head down south to uh, Washington, D.C., to join my friends and colleagues at the Right to Know March, which is actually... Uh, taking place, it kicked off in New York City on October 1st, and is they are marching their way down to Washington D.C. to the White House. Uh, many leaders in the organic industry, as well as uh, so many companies and concerned citizens, and just people who understand the value of eating foods that are not genetically modified, um, are fighting to get GMO labeling passed. That' it's is time. mandated it's time. Yes. Yes, and yes. and apparently uh I guess uh all your friends in your office dr kathy they I think <laughs> they want to head down there too
3: uh, uh they're ready
1: <laughs> now, just a couple of quick questions that may seem very basic, but these are questions that came in from our audience uh one question is. Do I have to cook every day, and can I make recipes in advance and freeze them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Go ahead, Susan.
2: There's instructions in the book about doubling, tripling, quadrupling recipes, and you can freeze them. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I do uh, is I've got two dogs and three cats. I could be in the kitchen a lot if I – Um, Cooked every day for them I mean every every day is great But um, who's got that Kind of time not many So most definitely You can freeze them I actually Will cook I'll buy two whole chickens At a time And as example And um, I'll cook both the chickens And then I will freeze the meat In portion Packages so that I'm not necessarily cooking every day, I'll go into the freezer and pull out necessary ingredients for one meal, thaw them out, stir it up, boom, I've got food. Okay, so you can not only complete the meals and freeze it, but you can bulk your ingredients, which makes it less expensive, and freeze it in portion sizes that you can later add to make a recipe.
1: And one other thing that I want to make a comment about is in regards to any type of a big um, holiday dinner where uh, you're making, say, a, 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 a turkey in the oven or even a roasted uh, chicken, what have you, um, I happen to be a vegan, but my cat is not. Um, My dog passed away about a year ago, a little over a year ago, actually. But uh, my cat, no matter what I do, she likes to eat, (laughs) she likes to hunt. And uh, no matter what I've tried, um, you know, it's just not working. Uh, And unfortunately, there are many people out there that are in the same boat, but you can't deny an animal's instincts. Uh, And so, but one of the things that I do is I will make the bone broth. And actually, Susan had uh, given us the recipe, I think, last year, and it's still posted on theorganicview.com under the recipes section. So uh, her bone broth recipe is very easy to make. And it also utilizes the bones from any type of a roasted fowl. and the thing is, is that when chefs make a true chicken stock or turkey stock, what have you, uh, you're supposed to roast the bird to begin with because that's the best way to get the most flavor. So in essence, you're really cooking uh, a nice gourmet meal for your dog uh, or your cat, um, and they will <laughs> they will love you more for it. Uh, but I just wanted to point that out.
2: Finicky cats that um, have a difficult time, that maybe are, are addicted to kibble, and you really want to get uh, feed a cat a moist food, be it canned or home prepared. Um, that's one way. That broth, they love it, and that is one great way to to get added moisture and nutrients. Into your cat and then to start get them to start to get them on uh soft food that adds that moisture to their diet every day,
1: yeah, and that's that's a really nice little tip uh, and trick rather to encourage them you know to eat healthier uh, do you have any other suggestions for a very finicky dog or cat I mean I have a friend who has a cat that just won't eat anything, and she goes nuts just trying to get the poor thing to eat, and the amount of food that she goes through really is quite a lot, and it's very wasteful, but uh, her goal is to really just get the cat to eat, because the cat is just not doing well. So do you have any suggestions? Dr. Kathy,
3: yeah. couple of suggestions, and I have patients who are really finicky like that. I have this great little Pekingese who he really likes his meat and his potatoes, and his dad knows no potatoes, but um, he's, he's a meat eater. Some So a trick that his dad uses is to um, make the dog think that he's stealing a treat. So if, if the veggies are all ground up well in with the meat to make it seem like it's something that they're eating, and so then when, when the peak steals it, he's like, ooh, I'm getting something good. So sometimes when it's a game like that, that helps. Um, that doesn't always work. Um, believe it or not, I actually have an herbal formula that helps with an uh, appetite stimulant that's, that's based on a, an ancient eastern remedy and i've had that work well in a couple of cats and a couple of little dogs i have this awesome 15 year old 3.2 pound yorkie patient and she's finicky and boy her mom goes through the same thing you're talking about with all these different recipes and but this little puppy she steals when nobody's looking Uh, So it's patience and it's persistence, and talk to your holistic vet because there are some natural ways to stimulate appetite. Things being warm, making it smell good to the nose is good. You definitely have to be careful with cats. You never want a cat to go on a hunger strike because the last Mm. thing you want is that kitty to have fatty liver because of it. Dogs you can work with a little bit better than that. Uh, but yeah, you gotta be careful and, and it's patience. It's patience on, on the pet parents part, just like having a six year old kid who doesn't want to try spinach. Patience, continual present presentation of it, make it look good, make it smell good, and eventually, maybe by the time we're seven, <laughs> we try the food. So <laughs> same thing with dogs and cats. It's patience. I had a couple of cats that it took a year to get them to play my game with the real food instead of the dry food. My dogs are much easier.
1: And do you have any tips for, especially for, um, I mean, if you've tried that, anything else, I mean, and any other type of foods that maybe you should sprinkle on top of uh, the food that you're trying to eat them? Or if you're trying to get them to try a new recipe, um, I mean, should you make, a recipe that they like and kind of mix it in. Does that help?
3: Or sprinkle it on top so that you have yeah. you have the favorite on top and the new thing underneath. And, the, yeah, the problem is they get to be really sly and tricky and they'll pick all around. It's patience. It really I've is used, patience. I've ground
2: up for cats. Uh, one of mine, my oldest cat, uh, when I tried to get him off of kibble, onto soft food he just absolutely refused he'd lap a little bit of it so i ground up the kibble in the blender and made a powder and would spring i had to do it several times a day i would just use like a spoonful of soft food at a time but um with the sprinkled on ground up food on the soft food and eventually you know my determination wore him down and But he would have interest in it because it smelled like his old food. So maybe try that as well. Grind it
1: up. And what about the treats? What do you recommend when you're first making your own treats? Where do you
3: start off? I start with bacon. Good bacon without the nitrates. Isn't that a great treat? Wouldn't you like to have a piece of bacon if you were a doggy or a kitty? That's how I get my clients started, and then we get them into healthy food. <laughs> but bacon is better than something with bacon look that doesn't actually have anything in it but bacon flavor.
1: Or bacon strips. I mean, they do smell oh. like bacon, and um, unfortunately, they don't taste like bacon Uh I remember years ago when I adopted Ew. my dog. Yeah, I, I tasted them. I tasted them because I wanted to know, okay, what is she eating? Because uh, a friend had brought them over just as a gift, which was thoughtful. But I was just like, okay, what is this that you're trying to feed my dog? I just spent uh, literally, uh, I, pa- I paid quite a bit of money when I adopted my dog, and you know, I adopted her from a shelter. Between the shots and just everything that was involved, it was, you know, it was pretty expensive. So lo and behold, my friend comes over with these bacon strips, and I'm just like, what is that? I don't really watch TV. I don't pay attention to the stuff, everything that I – I always make my own stuff. So it smelled like bacon, but it tasted – well, you know, it's uh, – We're were on the air. I won't tell you what it tastes like, but it it was not something that I would allow my Sammy to eat. My dog was, I think my dog was Italian because she loved anything that had a marinara sauce. I just remember there was one point where I had some family visiting. It was a Sunday, and I made, this is when I did consume meat and seafood, and I made mussels marinara. And I remember I threw the shells in the garbage Mm-hmm. and Sammy went into the garbage, and she just started chomping on the – she just ate a whole bunch of shells, and I just remember grabbing her, shoving my hand down her throat, pulling out the shells, and then I thought about what I did a moment later, and all I thought to myself is, oh, my goodness, I just shoved my hand down a Rottweiler's throat. What was he <laughs> thinking? Uh, it was it was really emotional for me because I I was frantic. I didn't know what to do. All I thought to myself was that the shells – we're going to tear the lining of her intestines and her stomach. I figured, okay, well, if I see signs of blood, then I know that I killed her because I was a bad pet parent and I let her, you know, have access to the garbage. Well, not that I let her, but, you know, this is a strong dog who made a beeline for the garbage, and I should have, you know, it's funny. When you have dogs, you really have to think about how dogs think because dogs don't think about really (laughs) much about other than how can I get that stuff that smells really good. It's a big lesson for me, but uh, thankfully she did not get sick, but I cried my eyes out for a couple of days just expecting the worst. She was fine. But it taught me a very valuable lesson that if I were to make something that I knew she liked, I always took care of her. I always made sure that she had, you know, plenty of food and, uh, I mean, not, not, Uh, That's that's another uh, issue is portion, which we're going to talk about briefly in a moment. But if you're making something that you know your dog or your cat will absolutely go nuts over, make sure that you feed them first because otherwise you're teaching them bad habits. They're going to sit there and beg and nag until they get what they want because that's what they do. I never had that problem ever since. I know my Sammy absolutely loved anything Italian. It was just interesting when <laughs> that happened. But, Dr. Kathy, when it comes to portion, how do you know how much to give your dog or your cat, and when is too much? Pet obesity is actually a big issue.
3: We have some really good guidelines in the book based on weights and the way the recipes are written is the cat recipes are for a ten pound cat and the dog recipes are for a thirty pound dog. This is the average dog. Everybody's metabolism is different, just like in us people. And so you, you just heard my herd. <laughs> I have I have different I have three sizes and in the big size, the four dogs who are in the big size all eat vastly different amounts of food. So start with the guideline and then Keep touching your dog once a week on their hips. Can I feel the hip bones but have lots of padding around? Or is there so much padding that I can't feel bones anymore? That means I'm feeding too much versus, oh, my, I can feel the details of everything here. I'm not feeding enough food. So I have one 40-pound dog who gets, he eats a lot. He gets about a cup and a half of food twice a day where my older 50-pound dog gets two-thirds of a cup twice a day, and it's a metabolism different thing. And so start with our guidelines and then know that just like humans, I can eat one brownie and my husband can eat 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just have to just watch them and be careful.
1: Now, a quick question from the audience. What do you do when you're traveling with your dog or your cat? I mean, uh sometimes if you have a particular diet, it's not easy to find food when you're traveling. So should you bring your own food? What should you do?
2: Well, uh, I, I, in traveling, I would, unless you can freeze it, you know, and, and make sure it stays frozen or refrigerated, I think probably you're going to have to go back to a quality commercial food Uh, Oh, this is Dr.
3: Kathy I I do it a little bit differently uh, Because I don't want to do that with my older girl When I travel and I take her with Mm -hmm. me I go to a restaurant I have chicken and I have veggies And I have leftovers And out comes the doggy bag that nobody makes anymore I I want a doggy bag And my lady dog gets the doggy bag And that's how I do it Um, And then for breakfast, I order room service. (laughs) They thought it was for me, um, but those scrambled eggs are for my lady dog. (laughs) That's how I do it. Um, It's not balanced like our recipes, and I think that's Susan's point. But I'm only gone for a day or two at a time when I take my lady Mm -hmm. dog with me. And, And so just like I can go a day or two without being balanced, so can lady, and then we come home and it's balanced again.
2: And everybody that's listening to that I want everybody to realize this is Susan that that those words just came from a veterinarian, okay? <laughs> it is so and a veterinarian trained in veterinary food therapy. The the hardest thing for all of us and I went through this too is is to wrap our brain around we can give them a meal of scrambled eggs and they're not going to get immediately sick and die. Mm
3: -hmm. Yes,
2: you need to balance their diet, but that can happen over time. It is the same way we eat and actually the same way animals eat in the wild. Wild animals do not get a balanced meal every time they eat, okay? They get some nutrition uh, from one kill or prey, they're going to get other nutrition a different time. And they eat seasonally. So that's that was so important what you just said, Kathy. It was wonderful. And I hope everybody really hears that. We do want you to balance the diet as often as you can. And those recipes do. But if you you know don't have it and you're just going to share with them your meal one time do it
1: yeah folks okay? i just want to emphasize this is not on a regular basis but if if you're traveling i mean let's face it if you're going away for the weekend or if you happen to have a business trip or something like that well if you're on a trip where you can take your dog with you that's great but there are a lot of people who do not fly that drive and they prefer to have their dog with them and you know it's it's understandable because uh just finding a kennel that you like, that you trust, that will do for your dog that you will is a whole other story. But once again, we're not talking about every single day. The point being is that what Kathy and Susan are trying to say is that don't beat yourself up if you're traveling and you can't find um, you know, the, you know all the things that you need in order to make one of the recipes or if you're not in a position where you can bring it from home, whatever the case may be. Um, And I just want to add something to what Dr. Kathy said. I remember going out to dinner and I ordered a grilled chicken salad, Caesar salad, and I specifically said to the waitress that I would like the the, uh, chicken breast to be cooked um, on or to be put on the side, not to be on the salad at all, and to be wrapped, and not to be cooked with any seasoning, uh, just plain grilled, uh, no salt, no pepper, no nothing. Uh, I told her that I have um, blood pressure issues and <laughs> dietary restrictions, and uh, for health reasons, I need for my salad to be prepared in that fashion. So... She brought out everything, and lo and behold, my colleagues looked at me, and they said, who's that for? And I said, the cat. And everybody thought it was funny, but I said, well, I don't think it's funny. I think it's uh, smart, uh, yes. especially since I don't eat the meat. <laughs> Ladies, we are almost out of time. I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Can you tell our audience about your new website and how they can purchase the book?
2: The website is com. We're also on Facebook. You can send us questions via Facebook. Uh, the book is available on the website and on Amazon. We're not available for Kindle yet, but we're getting there.
3: And that's possible, P A W. P-A-W, Pause. S-I-B-L-E. That's my Pause-able. southern accent, possible. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: Thank you, ladies, so much for coming on today's Thank show. Thank you. It was really wonderful having you. The book it was just published. It's been a huge, huge success. So many people out there that have been waiting for this book to arrive are thrilled that finally these recipes are available to the public. And, folks, pick up a copy, Christmas is right around the corner. What can I say? I know I'm going to. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you for joining us, ladies. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) And say goodbye to your your friends in the office, Kathy. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And, folks, thank you for tuning in. This has been June Sawyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.